Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I am your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 39. You guys, this is the last episode of season one. We made it through the entire season. It is June 1st. Summer is right around the corner, and uh, season two is right around the summer corner. I don't know how to say it, but this episode is fantastic. I have been trying to sit down with this guy for a long time, uh, and I mentioned it right at the beginning there, but he was the last scheduled interview I had in person that I had to cancel um, when coronavirus hit and the lockdown started. So this is uh, a great interview about addiction and overcoming and recovery and just a lot of a lot of great topics covered. So please enjoy my interview with Brad. First and foremost, thanks for doing this. Uh, yeah, sure. I know I've been trying to nail you down for a while, <laughs> so oh, yes. I, I appreciate it. And... Yeah, yeah, you were. Uh, I think I, you you were the last person scheduled that I had to cancel like in person. Yeah. Now I'm afraid to see anybody in person. So <laughs> I usually I uh, start out with how I know people, and I know okay. you. I know you from high school. Yeah. Uh, we <laughs> met you and your your whole family. You have you only have two siblings, right? So I have two siblings from my parents, but I have a half brother as well. Okay. Uh, so I have three siblings. So I only know part of your family. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, like the Paternics. Yeah. You just don't the Flanagan. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, but yeah, we met in high school. Like uh, I don't know, corresponding groups of friends hanging out. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, then we kind of fell off. You went in one direction <laughs> after high school, and and uh, yeah. and I went in, a, in a different direction. Yeah. Oh, we'll get yeah. to that direction. Hold, um, up, hold up, we hung out a bit when I went in that direction, though, because you lived with Billy, and I hung out. Yeah. I hung out there a yeah. bit, and I was down a pretty bad path at that point. Um, I just got a lot worse. Yeah, which I didn't even know it was bad at that point. Um, looking uh, back. Yeah, dude. There was there was times like. I think you guys had a party there and everybody was drinking and I was nursing the same Corona all night. <laughs> corona. But that's what I drank back then. I was nursing the same Corona all night, but I was doing lines of ketamine in your bathroom. There it is. So. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. But jumping back further in time, you're the oldest, right? Or is it Nick yeah. the oldest? You're the oldest? No, I'm the oldest. Okay. Everybody thinks Nick is because he's a doctor and <laughs> And then there's me that's fucking crazy and nonsense. <laughs> well, recovering heroin addict. But, but hey, you guys are close in age though, aren't you? Yeah, we're only a year apart. Um, so what's that? What's that like growing up? I mean, when you well, when you're born, what do your parents do? Um, what do you mean? Like for work, what do they do? Oh, so my dad. Well, my dad's re they're retired now. Well, my dad's retired. My mom is not. So my dad was a um, he was in sales to start. Um, he made. Um, heating coils that made forged metal parts for auto parts. Okay. Um, and he was in sales at that, worked his way up to management, and ended up running a shop. Um, and yeah, and now he's retired. So my mom uh, was a. So she started out, she was in school a lot of times while I was young, but she ended up becoming a physical therapy assistant. Okay. So, and now she, she still does that. So early on, and then Brooke, your sister, how old, how much further? Her name's not Brooke, it's Butt. What? Did, uh, who? What? Yeah, Man Butt. Nice. Um, man Butt, what about her? How, further, how far apart is she from you? Three She's years? She's a year younger than my brother, who's a year younger than me. Oh, so you guys, okay, that's pretty close. Yeah. But so, growing up in your house with, with three of you guys so close in age, I mean, how was that? <laughs> what was that? What was that oh. household like? I mean, was that crazy? Uh, it was you know it was good times so, so nick was like my best friend i mean he's still like, yeah my best friend um he uh him and i because we were only a year apart and we had a lot of common interests it was you know it was cool we both got into the punk scene at a young age and um we used to play sports nick was always better at sports than me it's funny nick was always better at sports and smarter than me but i was always better at art um i used to draw and paint yeah. and all that and it's funny because now I'm an art director and he's a doctor. So hey, there you go. So you said your mom was in school a lot when you were growing up. Yeah, so she was in school, worked full time. Um, 
my parents were busy. You know, my my dad was always traveling for work, so we threw a lot of parties at the house. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say, was there not a lot of supervision when you were growing up? <laughs> there, I mean, there was, but there wasn't. Um, you know, during the week they were usually around, especially when we were younger. So when we were younger, they were around a lot more. But then, like, I think after they got divorced, there was a lot more freedom. I feel like, but they got divorced when I was like eleven. So oh, okay. So do you have yeah. you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was a crazy time. Um, that's kind of when I like started getting into bad things. Like I witnessed a lot of fucked up stuff that yeah. uh, you know not eleven year old kids shouldn't see. Like my my, I don't like talking about it because it's like it's personal. But I think that's like yeah. the point of your podcast, yeah. right? I also so don't I, want you to be uncomfortable with anything. That's that's the main goal. Well, it's <laughs> it's like it's somebody else's experience, right? Yeah. Like it, it affected yeah. me, but it's looking like being an adult now and seeing like I'm a stepdad now and I grew up with a stepdad and I now I know like all the things that he went through um which is weird which my brother and sister will never know because they're not step parents yeah you know they're never going to realize like how hard it actually is to be a step parent like it's it's different like I always wanted kids and I'm never going to have kids um of my own so I have to like this is like my way of having kids. I've got these stepkids there, and yeah. they're great. Well, and I imagine it's quite a perspective shift to like it is. be in that I, role. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. totally is because they actually have their you know their real dads that yeah you know I'm not that but whatever I do the best I can and I cook them good food and yeah you know give them rides places and stuff like that so yeah um, but it, yeah so. My uh, my parents back to my childhood. Um, yeah, my parents got divorced when I was eleven. Um, so I had that. Right? Yeah. That was one thing at a young age. I witnessed all this, and these are the things that happened to me. Yeah. And then I I don't know if you know this, but I used to dance. And no. Like yeah, so I used to dance like, like jazz, tap, ballet. Oh, okay, the whole nine yards. All over the country. Yeah. I did I not know that. Yeah, I did up until eighth grade. Wow. Um, yeah, and then I stopped, and that was like right around the same time as my my parents' divorce. Um, or it was like all in the same era. Yeah, right? yeah. Like they tried to like allow me, to, but it was really expensive, and the divorce was really expensive, so I had to quit basically. And my grades were suffering, and that was another thing. Like I wasn't doing good in school, so like, well, fuck this. You're not going to dance then. Um, what? Which where is did, fine. I'm so curious about that because uh, it's so far outside of the the box. I mean, especially in like the 90s. Uh, like, yeah. Oh yeah. What did that look like as a kid? Like, were you? Did you experience any oh, bullying I, and stuff because of it? Or I kept it a secret for okay. the most part. So there uh, was like, until hold up fifth grade. I was in the talent show and I danced in the talent show. Okay. And but people thought it was good. Like people thought it was awesome. There was you remember Justin Krause? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, R.I.P. Yeah. Exactly. Um, he uh, he started dancing at the same dance studio as me because he saw me dancing the talent show. That's and insane. I'm leading up to that childhood, yeah. well, <laughs> childhood. So when I used to dance, um, I ended up one of the older boys that I danced with. He was 18. I was, I think, 11. Everything happened when I was 11. 11 was a bad year for me. Um, I ended up getting molested. Yeah. Um, and so that, the divorce and some other things, I'm not trying to like spit anything out there like oh my god it's poor me poor me these no. are just things that happened yeah. to me and this is how i dealt with it i chose to start you know smoking weed and eating acid and um and then everything just progressed really fast like with me i was like fuck it i'm gonna do everything so i'm you know drinking and smoking weed and eating acid and and doing mushrooms and then i got into like crystal meth and ketamine and cocaine and then it progressed to crack and heroin and that's just that is a slippery slope yeah, and I just, you know, I um, I was just always willing and I'm always wanting to try something new. I was like, oh, yeah, let's try that. Oh, that's great. And then, like, yeah. I had a really addictive personality. I think a lot of it was that's how I dealt with my problems, um, you know, things that happened to me when I was young. Well, yeah, it's funny. I, I think we have a similarity there where uh, shame was the root of uh, all my behavioral addictions, alcohol, like, because uh, shame is like what the most powerful fucking thing in the world, right? So, right. yeah. <laughs> and Absolutely. so when you don't deal with stuff, it manifests itself in other ways, and uh, that's typically, I mean, substance abuse is, is very very easy to to deal with that and cope with that, and I, I know that yeah. firsthand. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I get that. 11, maybe it's just junior high and 11. <laughs> that, that time period sucks. Yeah, tell me about <laughs> it, man. And I've, now I've got a 12-year-old stepdaughter, and yeah. uh, she's great. Hopefully nothing happened to her when she was 11. I yeah. don't know. I wasn't around there. Actually, no, I was. I was here for her 12th birthday. So, um, so there you go. There. So but you, she, seemed to be, she seemed to be doing good then. I don't I don't know. But she's pretty, she's pretty private, so who knows. Yeah. When did... What, when did that road, like, you know, smoking weed and whatever, when did that start going to harder shit? Um, so smoking weed, 14. Um, acid, 15. Mushrooms, 15. Um, I think I did, like, some painkillers and stuff. Pretty much whatever I could get my hands on. Yeah. Um, all, like, 15, 16. But um, powder drugs, not until I was, like, 17 or 18. Okay. Um, but you were still in but, high school when that started? Uh, either still in high school or fresh out of high school. Okay. Um, yeah. And ecstasy, ecstasy was around the same time as the powder drugs. The rave scene really kind of, yeah. <laughs> it, it did a number on me. Yeah. Um, I, the, the punk scene was like mostly weed and acid. Um, but then the rave scene like is really when things got crazy. And I think I went to my first rave party when I was eight. 17 or 18 I think, I think I know it was my senior year in high school was when I went to my first rave party yeah. and then I like I me and my obsessive compulsive behavior I like once I went to one party I did not stop I was there like every weekend I was in Detroit in an abandoned building dancing my ass yeah. off on a lot of drugs and um yeah it's it fine I was, I was talking to Brian Agamali uh, oh, Agaboo. Yeah, I interviewed him on here, and we were talking about that because it's funny. That's that's where uh, you know I didn't do anything until I didn't even drink till I was seventeen. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's like where everybody branched off for me. Like you know, they're in the in the punk skater whatever crowd. There was yeah. like the people that did drugs and smoked weed and shit, and then there's like the straight edge. But like. I didn't label myself that way, but I also had, I, you know, I watched my brother go down that path for a while. And so I didn't have any interest in doing that at the time. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so when, yeah, we were talking about all the kids, like all of a sudden this rave scene came up and all you guys were going down to Detroit all the time. And like, I would just hear these stories and abandoned buildings. I was like, that sounds scary as shit. I'm not doing that. Dude, it was so much fun. <laughs> That's what it I was hear. So much fun. <laughs> but like, there was one time we were at, uh, I think it was Bagley Optical. It got shot up while we were there. Jesus. And, yeah, like shit like that would happen. And then there was another time we were at a party under the bridge and security got stabbed and there were gunshots across the street. And it was like, and you guys are like next weekend. All the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that shit happened all the time. It was crazy. Yeah. And it's it, just like, funny that that's not a deterrent. <laughs> yeah. There were parties at Mac and Bellevue. That every, every car would get busted into at Mac and Bellevue every time you went. So get this. So when I was trying to find crack in Detroit before I actually like had a good hookup. So, so my buddy Jordan moved to Atlanta for a while uh, because he went through some shit here and his parents were trying to help him out. So he, they sent him off to like his aunt in Atlanta and then he came back a crackhead and I was also into that. So when we hooked up, we were like, Oh yeah, hell yeah, it's on now. So I was like, yo, I got this spot. It's like totally ghetto. I'm sure they sell crack there. That's, that was my thought. Right. So we go to Mac and Bellevue and that the neighborhood's back in there. Um, and I didn't really know Detroit. The only, the only way I knew Detroit was from the rave parties, yeah. right? I was just like kind of guessing yeah. at that point. Um, You're the white kid from Oakland course. County going down to Detroit. Yeah, you know, we grew up in Clarkson. For yeah, God's yeah. Um, but I got around. I hung out in Pontiac and Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Still, obviously, I do way a ton now, but and I always did then. But you know, I grew up growing up in a certain area. That's what you're familiar with, yeah. and then venturing off to another area, you're still becoming familiar. So I was still becoming familiar at this point. Um, so we're driving around and we see this lady who looks totally just cracked out standing on the corner, a white lady. And, uh, we're like, okay, well she's got to know where the dope is. Right. Like, and so we pull up and Jordan rolls his window down and says, Hey, do you know where we can find some, some hard, some rocks? And she's just staring at him blank stare. We're like, okay. Next thing you know, the house next door across the street, it's like my side. I see a laser pointer coming from it and point at me and then point at Jordan and I was like, oh, fuck, we got to get out of here. Like, that that's not just a laser pointer. <laughs> so I slammed on the gas. We got out of there. And we went to a Burger King um, in not too far from there. Might have been on Woodward. I can't remember. 
and we saw one of the workers in the in in his outside um, in the parking lot. Asked him if we he knew where we could find any rocks, and he actually had some and bought some from him. And you know, the rest is history. Man, we were hanging out in flop houses with hookers and homeless people, just squatting yeah. and smoking crack and shooting dope and like shit got weird, man. Was there a point like? Uh... Like, I don't know, like a jump off point where you kind of like were outside of your body for a second and realizing what you were doing for the first time. And you were like, well, this is like, this is where I'm at now. <laughs> and right back. Into um, it. There were some times on ketamine where I had out of body. <laughs> I don't know if I really had any realization points like that. I think yeah. it was more like it was just more like a natural progression. Like it was like started out smoking weed, then eating acid and like it just progressed from yeah. there it was like okay well, this is what i'm doing now and like that i didn't i kind of always wanted to do everything anyways although i think i told myself i was never going to use a needle and i went back on that that's for sure yeah um well but, yeah, i always did that i was uh, i saw my brother smoke cigarettes i was like i'll never smoke cigarettes and then i started smoking cigarettes saw my brother drink i was like i'll never drink and then i started drinking <laughs> like everything i yeah. saw my brother do i i was so adamantly against and then you know within a few years <laughs> Uh, funny how yeah. that works. Your values change over time, I guess. Yeah, yes, they do. Yes, uh, they do. So you're, I mean, when does it get like real bad? Because you, you straight up were homeless at some point, weren't you? Yeah, towards the end. Um, there was actually a couple times where I was homeless. Uh, my parents threw me out a few times. Um, there was one point where I lived in an apartment with Brad and Jack. Did you ever know Jack? He wasn't only, from Clark. Only the drink, no. Okay, yeah, he was a friend of mine from the rave days and also, you went to punk shows and stuff, too. Jack is a good dude. Um, but anyways, we had an apartment together, and it was actually in Brad's name. So, yeah, so we uh, we were in an abandoned building in Waterford doing graffiti and, like, just fucking around, having fun. And when we came out, we got arrested. Yeah, so that was my first time in OCJ. How and old were you then? 18 or 19. Okay, so this is early. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty young. Um, that wasn't my first time getting arrested. It was my first time actually do- going to jail, though. Yeah. Um, cause I got arrested for possession of marijuana at a field party when I was 17. Um, but anyways, um, get back to that. So this is kind of like the first time I was homeless, right? So I got, I got arrested. I was living in an apartment, um, with my buddy. Uh, my mom bailed me out. Um, it was only like a hundred bucks to get me out, which is crazy to think. But, um, the judge considered us to be a gang and the apartment was in Brad's name. Um, because we were doing graffiti, they're like, oh, you guys are in a gang. You can't be within like 100 feet of each other and blah, blah, blah. So I no longer had a place to stay. My parents didn't want to take me back. They did eventually take me back, um, but I had to like work things out. But I was homeless for like a couple weeks then. Yeah. Which isn't anything crazy. And then like I was on probation for a while. Um, I skipped out on it. I ended up, man, like all this stuff is so long ago, it's hard to like piece together a lot of the memories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, I was on probation, ended up skipping out on it. I ended up getting arrested again, uh, like seven days before I turned 21 or something like that. And for possession of alcohol and they put me on. So you got arrested for possession of alcohol. Well, I got a ticket. (laughs) I was going to say, geez. (laughs) Um, yeah, I got a ticket for MIP. Um, ended up getting put on probation because I was already on probation. So like, no, you're a bad kid. So blah, blah, blah. Um, I think yeah, I think that's all I got was the MIP. I can't remember. Um, so yeah, I ended up skipping out on both probations and like had warrants out for my arrest and stuff like that. Um, I ended up taking care of it because when I went to rehab the first time, that's when I kind of took care of all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the one the one probation I just had to pay. I think the rest of my the money I owed, which was only a couple hundred dollars or something like that. So I ended up getting off of that one, which was that time, the Waterford one. Um, but then the MIP one, I had to con- complete my probation after I skipped out on it, but I had gone to rehab, um, which I'll actually give you the story that led up to the first time I was in rehab. First time I went to rehab, the weekend that led up to it, I had just gotten paid from, I worked security for GM at okay. the time. I just flipped a pound of weed too. Were you right around? Were you in this area? Yeah, water. I just, water I just had like area. a flash of you in a security outfit. Yeah, Orient Assembly. Yeah, 
That's crazy. It was okay. Lake Orion. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was still hanging out all the time. I was always in my security outfit. <laughs> so uh, leading up to probation, I had had a ton of money, right? Like I'd just gotten paid. Uh, it was like for me as a, I think I was 18 or 19 or um, shit. I can't even remember how old I was the first time I was in rehab. I think I was 20. Um, mm. It might have been 20 the first time I went to rehab. And I got sober when I was 22. So that sounds about right. So yeah, so leading up to it, I um, had just gotten paid. I also just flipped a pound of weed, so I had a bunch of money. Ended up spending all of the money on drugs that weekend. Don't remember the weekend at all. I shot up three bottles of K, of ketamine, which normally people snort it. um, And normally they do like a tenth of a bottle at a time. Um, Well, I did three bottles and I shot it. Um, Now, mind you, this was over the span of a night. But, yeah, I did that, but I was also on a bunch of morphine and also on a bunch of meth and other stuff. But I don't remember anything. Um, I don't know how you would, yeah. When I finally came to, um, we were going to a rave party the next night, and um, Rob Shannon was spinning at it. Um, That's all I remember. And then I did a bunch more whatever I could get my hands on at the party. I don't – it's so hard to, like, remember anything. But, like, a couple days later, I remember, like, Jordan was there and he's like, yo, dude, you introduced me yourself to me like six times at that party. Like, how the fuck did you not know who I was? Like, what was going on? You were so fucked up. And I was like, ah, dude, I don't know. And like, I know we were all staying at Kenny and Rob's that night. And like, I had gotten dropped off at my car, which was parked at the old food town on Sashaba and, um, Walden, Sashaba and Sashaba and Walden. Yeah. Yeah. So my car was parked there. And I used to drive a black S10. Um, and I remember driving it. I'm so fucked up. Driving it to Kenny and Rob's. And, like, I crashed into a street sign on the opposite side of the street. Uh, I was by myself, luckily. And, like, I just kept going. I think I knocked the sign over. Um, ended up at their place. Passed out in the basement. And um, when I w- looked at my financial situation, I realized I had actually spent all of my money, which was a couple thousand dollars. And I had spent it all on drugs. Um, and I had done them all. So I was like, all right, sweet. I, maybe I should. And I couldn't pay my car payment. I couldn't pay my insurance payment. Yeah. Both things I couldn't pay. I was like, all right, I guess I should maybe think about going to rehab. I think I might have a little bit of a problem. So you went to um, rehab voluntarily? Yeah. That first time? The first time. First time. Yeah. Nice. So I went, I told my parents, and then I told my boss. I was able to keep my job. Um, and I was in for like 30 days or something like that, or 21 days or 28 days or whatever it is i can't remember yeah yeah. So, yeah so i was in there and then when i was in there uh kirk you remember kirk morris yeah he was my he was my neighbor growing up on misty hill yeah. like so, my dad built the house at the end of that cul-de-sac and then when my parents divorced they sold it but we lived next to kirk until i was like six years old yeah so he had just gotten out of prison and um he was a good friend of mine as well and uh you know we were hanging out and stuff and I'm sure he was with me that night. I know he was with me that weekend. Um, I, rem- it's, yeah, because we went to a party at. It was me, him, and with Darren Peters and Darren's cousin, and like, I don't know. That, that's kind of when I came to the realization was at this party. Like, I think I need to get treatment. Um, so, anyways, uh, he had an apartment, and I remember like getting out and going to hang with him. And luckily, like, when I got into like a lot of the shit I was into. Him and JD both were locked up those those times, um, so they didn't get into a lot of the things that we were into. Um, Kirk ended up getting into it later on, obviously. Cause, yeah. You know. But um, so I get out. I'm hanging out at his apartment a lot, and I get back into dope um, right away. Like actually, I had never shot heroin um, before I went to rehab, but when I got out, actually when I was in rehab, I met my buddy Zach. And he's like, no, man, like shooting, it's the way to go. I don't know why you would ever snort it. Of course, he stayed sober after getting out, and I did not. How long were you sober out of rehab? One night. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I stayed sober the first night, and then the next morning at like 9 a.m., I cracked open a beer. and Because we had a party, like Kirk. Kirk had a party for me yeah. at his apartment. So I was drinking Sprites all night long. I was like, yeah, I'm just drinking Sprite. I'm going to do good. I did good that first night. Yeah. And then 9 o'clock in the morning, I was like, fuck it, all right. Yeah, obviously put it, putting yourself in that situation, uh, you got to look back and be like, oh, that was probably a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. oh, party out of rehab is maybe not the yeah. best idea, yeah. 
Yeah, so I think it was like three days after that when I went down to, to uh, cop dope and shot my first, shot up heroin for my first time. And then um, my stepdad was prescribed Dilaudids, and so I used to steal those from him. Um, so I started shooting those as well. Um, yeah, shit, shit got crazy real fast. That's when things really, really went downhill. Like when I thought I, things were bad before I went to rehab the first time. Yeah. Um, once I started shooting, it got a thousand times worse. That's when um, I ended up becoming homeless after a while. So like my stepdad found out I was stealing his Dilaudids, so he like beat the shit out of me and threw me out. Um, there, there was a couple of times like. I would go, I would get dope, I would get dope sick, right? Yeah. And I'd be like, fuck, I don't have any money, like, I don't know what to do. My sister would be babysitting my little brother at my mom's house, and I'd be like, but are you there? Nobody's there. Okay, cool. I'm going to come by. And I would go, and I would steal the lotteries because I knew nobody was there, um, except for my sister, and she didn't, you know, she didn't know what was going on. Um, but there was one point where they would keep the, he would keep his lotteries in the bathroom, and it, the sink was like across from the toilet. So I would go there and I would start crushing up the pill, but I would have to shit so bad because so heroin constipates you, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, when you're coming off heroin and you get bogue, you end up getting like explosive diarrhea. So I um, I remember I was crushing up this pill and I was like, "Fuck, I gotta go! I can't!" Like all I had to do was snort that pill or shoot that pill, and I would have been fine. But no, I couldn't get to it in time, so I had to like plop on the toilet. And then I couldn't get off the toilet for about an hour before I could get back to the pills. So I was like, God damn it. If I could have just gotten to that, like, two minutes sooner, I would have been fine. Yeah. But, you know, like, just remember, like, things like that. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah. That's where that's where my life was. Um, so, yeah. So, leading up to getting sober, um, my stepdad beat the shit out of me. I ended up homeless after that. Um my brother ended up I so I stayed with my brother for a minute after that and he found out that I was like smoking crack in his bathroom and doing dope in his bathroom. He's like, You gotta go. I'm pretty sure you stole from me too, which I did. I stole like a bunch of his spare change. Um and then I even dude, I was such a piece of shit. So even after he threw me out, I broke into his house one time when they were there and stole like a bunch of DVDs from him and took him to the pawn shop. Yeah. Um I stole my sister's I stole a lot. I stole like my sister's camera and stole, pawned that. Um, I, yeah, addiction's a fucking crazy thing. Yeah, so I, you know, I did some messed up stuff. Um, I tried getting in the army to get sober at one point. Um, right, this was like towards the last like couple months of my like um, before I got sober, like and when I became homeless. Like I was when I was trying to get in the army. This was when I was pretty much homeless at that point. Um, nobody really wants anything to do with me. I was just bouncing around from house to house, from like friends' houses and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I tried getting in the army, and I was at—I was actually at the Troy, the place in Troy. Like they put me up in a hotel, and I was supposed to like—I got drug tested and like took a physical, and like they do all these tests on you, right? Yeah. Well, I ended up um, not getting in, and um, because I dropped dirty for cocaine, and. Um, cause I smoked crack the night before, but yeah. So anyways, so, say, when you said drug testing, I was like, I don't think they're gonna. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so at that, at that point when I was doing the, um, trying to get in the army or whatever, and that was going on, um, I, that was, remember that power outage we had that huge blackout? Yeah. And like, uh, well, it would have been Oh three. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I hosted uh, a, a three-day sleepover because we used our oven for heat in my apartment. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that power outage happened the same day that I was trying to get in the Army. Um, uh-huh. So that happened right as I was getting let out. Um, all of a sudden, the power goes out, and I worked at Stir Crazy at the time. So I had a job, but I didn't have a home. Um, so I ended up not going into work and staying at my buddy's house in uh, he lived in Troy or Madison Heights, um, my buddy Matt, and staying with him for a while. He was also um, a junkie like I was, and um, eventually his parents found out that I was like living in his basement and kicked me out. And, and I would say, I, then I ended up. I ended up the last place I stayed was Kenny and Rob Shannon's, um, and their parents. I actually talked to their parents, and they let me stay there until I got into treatment. Um, I was actually on a waiting list with Pace. I was trying to get into treatment at this point. Yeah. Um, 
I was on a waiting list with Pace to get in, and I ended up getting arrested before that. Um, there was one night where I was when I was staying. I think like right before I started staying at Kenny and Rob's. I think this is what led up to me staying there. Um, Jordan had a party. He lived at a uh, he lived a few houses down from Kenny and Rob, and um, my, he was dating my sister at the time too. And my sister was there, <laughs> and she found out that I was coming. And when I got there, she's like, "Get the fuck out of here, you fucking piece of shit! I fucking hate you!" Blah blah blah. Um, and I was uh, going through heroin withdrawals, and I remember I had taken a bunch of sleeping pills and uh, muscle relaxers um, that Kenny and Rob had given me that were their parents. And they're like, here, you know, this is to help you through your withdrawals, whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I think it was like eight muscle relaxers and four sleeping pills or something like that. Yeah. Something crazy where it didn't do anything to me, but I was still dope sick, and I was on the porch, and she was yelling at me, and I had to pee. But I was so messed up from the muscle relaxers and sleeping pills that I couldn't hold my pee, and I just sort of pissed in my pants right in front of her while she's yelling at me. And I was like, yeah, that's sweet. So from then on, uh, the next month, I believe, or it was three weeks to a month um, that I was homeless, I continued wearing those pissed pants. So I was wearing yes. the pissed in jeans and, like, it was, yeah, it was, it was a mess. Um, didn't really shower. Um so what led up to me getting sober, um, <clears throat> I ended up calling my buddy Matt, and he stole his mom's truck and came and picked me up and because and, I told him I had money, um, which I did. I used to steal fists of liquor from stores and sell them, and so I had like, I think I had like fifteen bucks or something. I was like, yeah, I got like, I got some money. I had fifteen dollars. Um, so he stole his mom's truck, came and picked me up. Um, and we went downtown and found his mom's purse in there, so there was more money. So we went, cop dope. We tried selling his mom's truck to the dope man. Um, he, he didn't want it. So then we went and hit one of our licks that we always hit. Actually, we hit a couple. Um, we would go to different like grocery stores and steal stuff and sell it. Um, I had party stores in, in Highland Park that would buy goods from me um, that I would you know steal from bigger grocery stores. Yeah. So anyways, we got caught at Farmer Jack's. It was about midnight. Um, I'm walking around this store while Matt is sitting out in the truck with it running with the lights on in front of the store, right? It's midnight, so in Troy. And um, midnight, Troy, kid with pissed-in jeans, looks like he's been homeless for a month and hadn't showered for a month, walking around filling up a grocery basket full of Similac and other weird things. And, um, you know, obviously I, you know, I didn't look suspicious at all. Right. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, uh, I ended up, I was in there for like an hour cause I'd already shot some dope. So I was like pretty high and like, just like kind of lounge, lounge, I don't know, walking around doing, probably trying not to fall asleep. Um, and finally I run out of the store. This is what I used to do. I used to fill up the basket and then I would just run out the store and, I'd be fine and hop in the getaway car and we'd go. Yeah. Um, so we did that and hopped in the car and we went to take off and seven cop cars surrounded us. Cops get out, their guns drawn, pointed at our faces like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I've actually been sober ever since then. What year was that? How many years have you been sober? Uh, I've been sober since 9-11-03. Damn. Um, yeah, so 2003. So that was September of 2003. Uh, it was that was actually September 10th of 2003. So my last time getting high was the 10th. My last time, my first day sober was the 11th. That's crazy. Congratulations, because that's a long ass time. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a couple of years. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, it's nuts it's, too. It's go, going on 17 years. I mean, I didn't know I didn't know you've been sober that long. For whatever reason, yeah. I thought it was less time than that. But, um, yeah. But Good so move. yeah, uh, I guess my question though is is. I, I wonder if you've cut off relationships with people in an effort to like because because there's like so I, like in the beginning yeah yeah I did sort of cut some relationships off like there were some people like my buddy Matt and Joe that I, I Matt was who I got arrested with yeah um, actually I had been arrested with Matt a couple of times I think three times twice for retail fraud and once the graffiti thing um, 
So it was like every time I got arrested, I was always with the same dude. <laughs> Fuck, but I hung out with him so much, it was like, you know. Yeah. He was just like my role partner, yeah. right? Uh, and, uh, yeah, so like he's one of the people that I didn't really hang out with much. Um, I kind of like, I didn't like totally cut ties, but like, yeah, I didn't hang out with him. And then Joe, his cousin, um, Joe and I, we strictly shot dope together. So it was like, yeah, I probably yeah. should not hang out with this dude. Um, so people like that, yeah. But like Kirk, Kirk would even go to meetings with me once in a while um, just to like show support. But he was still getting high and drinking and stuff like that. Yeah. I would still like. Yeah, it's just funny. I mean, uh, so like I'm not trying like I, I, I don't like talking about my own shit sometimes with people that have done other like it feels like a one-up thing like well let me tell you this story uh no it's my it's my own insecurities uh but like when i quit drinking uh there was you know there's just like there's just people i couldn't hang out with anymore like they weren't necessarily pressuring me to do anything but it like created an environment and then the environment that's where i was going to this (laughs) uh the environment seemed to be the biggest uh catalyst for change like so i moved into my new house in july on the july 4th weekend last year okay and i quit drinking the week before congratulations that's awesome thanks um but so i i've never drank in this house so there's no that's great there's no triggering locations in this entire house and i never thought of like environmental triggers but then i was taking like a substance abuse class and uh that was one of the things they talked about and i was like i never really put that together but i guess if you keep putting yourself in the same location with the same people you're gonna (laughs) go back to the same shit i dude i changed so much though like i went to aa meetings all the time yeah all the time i lived in a three-quarter house in um halfway house for the first 10 months of my sobriety like i changed a lot about me and i was in I mean, I got sober in Pontiac and I got high in Pontiac. Yeah. I got high in Pontiac in Detroit. And, but I was hanging out, like going to these meetings and hanging out at the Serenity Club and the Alano Club and stuff like that and making new friends. So, yeah, I did. I never really cut people off, but I did hang out with new people. Yeah. <laughs> out with new things. Um, uh, so you, but I mean, so 17 years sober, we, we covered well, a few, 16. Uh, I don't have 17 yet. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You never know. (laughs) One day at a time. No, I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, seriously, Uh, man. Like, you never know. Yeah. So, when Misty and I first started dating, um, she drinks and she smokes weed. Uh, We went to the Spitz together on co-ed night, and uh, it's BYOB. So, I brought ginger beer, and she brought some champagne. Um, Well, they were both in plastic cups, and I, I... got confused on which was which and i went to take a drink of hers luckily i noticed what it was and spit it out right away but yeah. I was like, holy shit like so like you never know what could happen man yeah um well where i was going to that is is there's a lot more to cover other than than just the the, the addiction oh, yeah, years yeah, yeah. so what do you want to talk about? well uh i guess i don't really know because when what did you get into after that because didn't you move to boston at some point too uh, Worcester, yeah. Okay. So, oh yeah, we should talk about facial hair, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, I want because you you got a lot going on, and I, I'm I I don't know where to bounce around on the timeline here, but so you get sober, you're in Michigan for a while still. Um, yeah, so I get sober. I'm in Michigan for like a long while. Um, I ended up getting my degree. Um, went to college and got my degree in graphic design. Okay. Um, Is that OU or? No, I went to a school called the International Academy of Design and Technology. Okay. And they closed their Michigan school and then they um, sold their, I don't know, they got bought out by another college. Or so something. you got in right under the wire. <laughs> yeah, dude, now they don't exist anymore. Um, no, but I teach at OU now. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, I went to school for graphic design, got my bachelor's degree. Um, ended up moving to Massachusetts shortly after I got my degree. Um, Any particular cool. reason you chose Massachusetts, or yeah, my brother moved out there. For oh, his okay. Um, mind you, like once again, grew up together, year apart, best friends. Like, I love my brother to death. Great fucking dude. How long did uh, it take for your guys' relationship to get patched up after you became sober? About a year. Yeah. But he was around, and like, but he, you know, it took time for him to forgive me and oh, stuff. Sure. I had to make a lot of amends with him, my whole family, my dad, my sister, my mom, yeah. everybody, stepdad. Um, 
so yeah so i moved to massachusetts um because like i don't know i wanted to try something new i'd never lived in another state so i was like fuck it let's do it there's mountains out there mass is beautiful boston's a cool city yeah worcester worcester was a cool city i liked worcester a lot um still love worcester i'll go back to visit worcester before i'll go to boston um but it's real working class right like it's more like detroit was and not not now but how detroit yeah, was yeah. um detroit now is full of fucking nerds but whatever <laughs> i still i still love the city but man i was gonna say you live down there i just i look at it and it's like a lot of the kids that hang out down there man they don't know it used to be dangerous it's yeah. there's still parts that are but like when we were going to the rave parties and the punk shows back in the day and like all the cars were getting broken into and security was getting stabbed and people were getting shot that shit ain't happening like it used to yeah like it's not it's not as rough as it used to be it's not as well, like yeah. we used to go to st andrews we go to st andrews and a guy would be like hey 10 bucks i'll wash your i'll watch your car for you while you're in the concert and you knew that yeah. like that was the guy that would also fuck up your car if you didn't give him 10 bucks right like, <laughs> like yeah okay. man and, and nowadays it's like there's fucking white nerds everywhere running around <laughs> fucking with their mommy and daddy's money fucking riding their fixed gear bicycles and uh god i fucking hate all the kids that live in detroit these days but whatever I, that's neither here nor there yeah. um that's just me going on a tangent um so yeah so i moved to worcester i got a job at a um greeting card company um they did like greeting cards and like bar and bat mitzvah invitations and wedding invitations and, um i got in there it was listed as a graphic design position but ended up being a typesetting position but i kept the job because it needed a job yeah got an apartment whatever um and ended up competing in my first facial hair com competition out there. Um, so this is where it all begins. Yeah. So I competed <laughs> in the category called the freestyle beard category. I had a beard and basically you design your beard. You put like hairspray or whatever in it. But I didn't know what I was doing. So I just used a bunch of mustache wax and made like a double mustache. Like my beard was a mustache and then my mustache was curled up too. Yeah. And, um, I ended up winning first place. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of it was because it was like crowd participation, and they're like, oh, yeah, they, they love me. Because, like, I don't know, I was really talking up Detroit, like, yeah, I'm from Detroit. It's great. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, and they're like, oh, my God, you like Tony Dogs? It's like, hell yeah, I like Tony Dogs. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I took first place. And then I, I loved it so much that I was like, fuck this, man. Worcester needs something like this. So, I, I want to do something like this. So, I started talking to. Some of my friends I had made in Worcester and was like, yo, like, this is what I want to do. Um, I want to get some bands to play, too, and, like, you know, whatever. Let's let's do this. And, like, they knew people, and I knew some people that I worked with. And, like, I asked around and ended up throwing the first competition called Whiskered Wonderland. It was Worcester's first competition. Yeah, so I threw that first competition and ended up selling out the venue. And it was all for charity. It was to raise money for the Child Life Fund. Um, so it was for sick kids in the hospital and yeah, we raised like, I think like almost $3,000 for nice. them, that first competition. It was fucking awesome. Um, so then it ended up, I threw it again the next year and then the next year, I think I threw four of them. When did uh, you, what year did you move out to Boston? Mm, or or yeah. So uh, this was like at the, this was pre hipster beer trend, beard trend. Right, like this, because this the uh, the the beard. Yeah, it was like probably right on the cusp. Okay, because that's like yeah, the like, beginning of a of a whole culture shift as far as that goes. I feel well, like. So I think the first comp I threw was twenty thirteen or twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. I don't know. I got I took my old website down and had to redo it, and I used to have all the info on there. Um, I'm sure I have an old flyer somewhere, but I'd have to look around. Yeah, for it. you're good. <laughs> I think it was 2012 is when I threw the first competition, though. Okay. I think my first comp would have been 2011. Okay. But I could be, I could be a year, I could be, it could have been 20, no, it had to be 2012 and 2011. Yeah. So you start, I mean, that. you identify this, this counterculture of, of people with beards <laughs> being, being a little crazy. Uh, I mean. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun. So, okay. So the first competition I threw. Um, I had I had a local comedian host it. Um, I had a belly dancer perform. Um, I had a couple of bands perform. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun, and we raised all this money for charity. People getting crazy, um, and then I started compete. Like I competed in New York. I competed in Connecticut. I competed in Boston. 
Um, What's going on in your head when this is happening? Are you, is there something going off like uh, from an entrepreneurial standpoint where you're like, I think I might have something here? No, I was just having fun. They were going on all over the country. <clears throat> but you so, were you were throwing this one right like you kind of put it yeah, together yeah, and but it was all for charity yeah but so that's, that's all that ever went on in my head not giving yourself any credit though here <laughs> i just I, you know i just wanted to raise a bunch of money for charity yeah. and i you know i was able to design all the flyers and everything myself and i did use it as a kind of a point where like i put it in my portfolio and resume and like yo i did this and it helped me get a job you know it helped me I ended up when I got hired in at TJX, which is TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and Home Goods, their headquarters, um, and I got hired into their corporate corporate headquarters. But I, when I interviewed there, I was also interviewing at Staples, their corporate headquarters, to be a graphic designer. Oh, nice! Both I got job offers from both, and I, you know, I took the one over the other. And um, but yeah, I I guess it kind of started my entrepreneurial spirits and like. Um, so then when I moved back to Detroit, I got a job at an ad agency and started doing that. And then I started a club, um, Murder City Facial Hair Crew, um, which is still like Detroit's main club um, yeah. for facial hair. And I also started this event called the Circus of Whiskers that is Detroit's main facial hair competition. You know, every, everybody in the bearding community knows about it. Yeah. Uh, people travel from all over the country to come, too. It's great. Yeah, I've seen crazy pictures that you've posted. <laughs> that stuff. Yeah, so we, I changed it up. We don't do bands anymore, so we don't have music at yeah. the Circus of Whiskers. I had a like a formula that worked in Worcester, and it worked in Worcester. But then when I came here, I tried to do bands here, and the bands didn't really work so well. Like timing was off, and like not everybody likes the same music, and it was yeah. just a little weird. So, um, so I moved on to burlesque and circus performers, nice. like sideshow acts, and people fucking love that shit. Yeah. And, so now we've got a cool thing here. Uh, we used to have a bunch of like vendors and stuff that would come, and we got rid of the vendors, and we made a bunch of carnival games. So now when you come in, we've got carnival games for you to play, and uh, we raise money for the Detroit Animal Welfare Group. And so usually there's like a, a couple pit bulls running around that you can come play with. We there was one or one or two years where we had a uh, a, a kissing booth, but it was a pit bull kissing booth. So you come up and you kiss a dog and you pay a dollar, and it all goes to charity. Yeah. So. Like, I guess that was kind of like the entrepreneurial thing. Like, I started this club. We yeah. do all this charity work. We throw this competition every year. And then uh, my buddy asked me to come on with the coffee shop and uh, Fourth Dimension Coffee Company. And I do all the branding and marketing for that. I get us in Our Magazine. And I got us on Fox 2 News. Yeah. And, um, shit, I don't even know how many times I've been on Fox 2 now. It's crazy. <laughs> it started out with facial hair, though. It started out with the competition and then, then got on for coffee and... Now I guess it's back to just facial hair since coffee's done. Um, so there's a couple questions I have. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, no, you're good. You're, I, I like it. Uh, My life's weird. How? So it sounds like it, since you started talking about the beard stuff, like charity has been a, a huge piece of that. So, yeah. So, okay. So a big part, it all kind of stems from recovery. Um, so... In recovery, you're supposed to give back, right? Yeah. Like, that's the main thing. Like, give back, help people find the way, and so on and so forth. Well, I turned that into charity um, because I stopped going to meetings. I stopped, you know, like, doing a lot with AA because, like, it got annoying. I didn't like the people, whatever. Um, it felt like a cult. But I still wanted to live a spiritual life and still wanted to do good for others. Yeah. Um, so I made these events be for charity. And then it turned out that, like, most of the facial hair competitions in the country are for charity. So it was kind of like just went along with the same theme, so it was good. Um, but in the beginning, like the first few that I went to were not for charity. They were for profit. Yeah. Uh, so then it was like some were for charity, some were for profit and whatever. Well, I wanted mine to be for charity. They had to be. And anything I was involved with had to be. Does it feel, I imagine it feels more rewarding that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you know what? I feel like it helps me stay sober. Yeah. Uh, mind you, there's a lot of alcohol. Well, maybe not alcoholics, but a lot of people that like to party in the beer yeah. community. Um, but you know what? Our club, Murder City, a lot of our guys don't really drink or smoke or anything. Some of them do, but a lot of them don't. You know, there's a. I, I when I started the club, uh, my buddy Dan started it with me, and he was sober as well. So like that kind of nice. stuck. Yeah. Laid the groundwork. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then like my buddy Chapo, who I made VP. Um, 
he doesn't really drink or anything anymore either, but he's an old punk too. Like he's an older punk. Oh, I, well, I was going to ask, it's funny. I just like shift a little bit. Um, you know, you have somewhat famous pictures of yourself around Christmas. Um, oh, my and, Christmas cards. Yeah. So, and, and obviously like the stuff you do with your beard and stuff, you're no, uh, you don't shy away from any sort of like showman <laughs> type. No, behavior. I, yeah, I, like, I like to get weird, man. But I, I, th I, I think there's a funny, there's a funny line where like, so shame, right? That kind of ruled your life and put you in a really shitty place. And, yeah, and yeah. now you're on the, now you could say that you like have no shame and you like, you'll put it all out there and it's, you're not really concerned about the, uh, what people are going to say or anything like that. And, yeah. I think I've already had enough happen to me when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, whatever. Now I just want to have fun and have a good time and I don't need drugs or alcohol to do it. Yeah. How much do you attribute that to like recovery like that mindset of just like what the fuck ever I'll, i kind of do what i want <laughs> i feel like i've always been like this even before sobriety though okay. do you so, think do you have do you think it comes from different uh like a different motivation now than it than it did before I, maybe i mean because remember i used to dance yeah yeah, um, yeah that's, so that's fair <laughs> that's fair i've always kind of been a performer um i've been into the arts and i've been a performer yeah. and i just like it's who I am. It's my way of life. Do you ever struggle to give yourself credit? Maybe. <laughs> well, uh, so I think of it like big picture wise, right? You just told me this whole story, uh, like spanning your entire life. And, you know, you start out talking about how oh, I liked doing, I liked art, you know, Nick did sports. I did art. And I always liked art. And you managed to get through like some pretty fucked up times, come out, go to school and then get a job and work in graphic design where you're doing your, the art stuff uh you're essentially i mean you're you were able to achieve a dream that like a lot of people struggle with just because like it's something they want to do when they're younger and then you know you grow up you go to college you're like oh this isn't going to work or i won't get paid enough for this or whatever that looks like but you yeah. were able to despite all the other shit come out and still do all that and i just wonder if you're able to like sit back and ever take credit for that because <laughs> that's i mean that's huge I guess I mean, I guess I'm doing it now, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, you just made me feel really good. Thank you. <laughs> okay, you um, should. When you say it like that, it's like, oh, man, you warmed my heart. I, okay. yeah, I probably do struggle giving myself credit, but other people around me kind of like be like, yo, you do all this. Yeah. And when people say stuff like that to me, it makes me feel really good. Like what you just said. Like, good. I'm like going to cry. <laughs> well, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that wraps it up. Perfect. <laughs> no. no. Hey. Uh, no. Well, and I did end up. Now I'm a college professor as well. Yeah. Um, which is right. Like so. There's. Yeah, add that I on. Teach, um, I teach Photoshop and Illustrator. Yeah. So that's and that's all. Like that's. I think it's important to. And it's funny because I say this, but like literally in therapy yesterday, I was talking about how like I have zero self worth, but so it's I don't practice what I preach, but um, it's you, funny. You're. You're a great dude. Stop well, that. I. It's it. It's, it's weird um and this yeah, time I get this, it though. I totally get it. this time like this quarantine shit uh has made me realize how much i seek external validation and then that just like pisses me off more because <laughs> i like really really realizing how much i like want the likes and all that stupid shit that doesn't actually mean anything but anyway i'm getting off track um but yeah i just i think it's impressive and i i always think it's important to be able to take a step back from yourself and be able to like kind of appreciate all the all the work you did and i think you can do that without you know being a conceited asshole or anything so i, th I think it's okay and it's healthy um sure. so that brings us i mean i think that brings us current so i mean what do you got going on you're teaching at ou as an adjunct yeah, so right yeah i'm actually offering now for the summer yeah but uh yeah so that was crazy so this is my this past year was my first year teaching at ou and all of a sudden we get COVID-19, yeah. second semester I ever taught. And I was like, fuck, what am I doing? I got to teach online now? Like, this is insane. Yeah. So, But I made it through. Uh, my students all did really well. It was tough. A lot of them didn't have computers and had to figure out ways to get computers. Some Which of them is didn't crazy. Have, yeah, they didn't have access to Adobe and they had to figure out ways to do that. So I really felt for my students. Only had to fail one. So, um, so that was good. Uh, yeah, it was like quite an experience and then i'm I, i'm a freelance art director designer uh graphic designer and uh so i have a few clients that i work with and 
Um, I work from home, man. Um, it's like kind of my main, my main thing is. Yeah. Uh, and then I run the club and stuff, but like we're not really doing much right now because of, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can't, I can't gloss over that too much. I tried to in the beginning, and I was like, no, this is just like what's happening right now. So like, current, you know, like what? How are you doing with everything? The the isolation. So at and... first, so okay, so Misty, my fiance, wife, whatever she yeah. is, um, <laughs> she is a waitress, and mm. so she's been out of work for a couple months, yeah. and we're like three weeks there, where or four weeks maybe, where she had no money coming in. And shit got real scary. Um, she also has this six-week road trip that she's been saving up for. She's going on a van trip with her daughter uh, this summer. She's supposed to be leaving in July. And um, so she had, like, money saved for that, but it was for that. It wasn't for yeah you know, to survive. Um, but anyways, she ended up getting unemployment, and she's doing okay now. But, like, I'm also getting used to the fact that, like, she's here all the time the kids are here all the time um they used to be at school and now they're not so like it's like you know i was i've been working from home other than teaching so i would leave to teach two days a week but i would still work from home the rest of the time um so this is not really that new to me but having everybody around all the time is new to me um but we're actually really liking it Good. At first, it was crazy. Like there was, uh, in the very beginning, I had a couple of panic attacks. I've never had panic attacks before, um, because I hadn't wasn't able to see anybody. And like, I mean, you know, like it's just, just like, it's weird. Like I'm used to being able to go out and like see my friends once in a while. Yeah. And, like, who brunch? Like, come on. It, we haven't been able to do any of that. So I ended up just leaving and going for a hike. You know, I'd gotten my car and drove to. Um, I think I went to what's that cider mill? Yates Cider Mill. Oh, and yeah. there's I was back there and like went for a hike and I was like, Oh, now I feel good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I really really learning what what exactly self care means in this time period. Right? Yeah, I don't shower as much. I used to shower a lot more. It's crazy. I mean I it's pretty rare I put on clothes. I did put on clothes because we went to the pet store earlier. Oh, I got dusty, huh? So um, I'm wearing clothes now, but it's for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's been a weird time. Um, and I, I was the opposite. I was doing great the first like six weeks and then my brother's rental, he wanted to sell it. So he asked me if I could do a bunch of work there. So I ended up like renoing the whole house. And so I was busy doing that, like in my normal job. And so and then, yeah. and then the last few weeks have just been like, fuck you, Justin, <laughs> you loser. Um, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it's tough, man. It's really tough. It's, it's weird. But, yeah. You know what? There, we're allowed to do groups of 10 now. Yeah, that was announced I saw today. That. I saw that. Hey, we'll so, see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's scary times. Who knows how long this is going to last? Who knows? Like if there's going to be another resurgence of, I don't know. Like everything is just so uncertain. Yeah. It's just take it a day at a time, just like AA, right? There you go. There you go. Uh, I think I'm almost done. Yeah. Um, we're are we we're almost done. Here, yeah. Right? I, fa- I I just wanted to see how you were doing in, uh, currently. And... How are you doing? You're well. You already just told me. Yeah. Um, I'm fine. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, man. I really appreciate it, and I, I want you to make sure you're taking time to. Uh, kind of give yourself credit for all the shit you've you've come out of and done because it's pretty impressive. Oh well, thanks, Justin. Same to you. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, man. Enjoy uh, the rest of your day. You. Yeah. All right, you too. Take care. All right, you just listened to my interview with Brad. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, I mean, what a crazy story, you know, to have uh, that kind of life between what, like 14 and 22 or 23 or whatever it was, um, and to come out of it the way he did and and all the stuff that Brad's accomplished uh, in the last 16 years is really, really remarkable. Um, And proud to call him a friend. And I'm glad that we were able to sit down and interview uh, or (laughs) me interview him. Uh, and I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Uh, this has been the craziest nine months, uh, 
I, I love everything that has come out of this podcast and your feedback is unbelievable and, and has brought me to tears a number of times. And I really appreciate everything that you guys have done to help promote the podcast and keep it going. And I'm looking forward to a plethora of new guests and topics and all sorts of stuff in season two. And I mean, go enjoy your summer. You know, even if you're still under a lockdown, uh, it's a lot more enjoyable outside now than it was in April or even May for that matter. So get some fresh air, uh, get some sunshine, enjoy yourself. Thank you so much. I love you guys. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff going on over the summer with friend request, including uh, Patreon and some videos. Uh, which are like addendums to the podcast. I'll be talking to some psychologists and some therapists and a lot of a lot of awesome stuff in the future. So I hope you guys will continue to tune in. Stay subscribed. Tell your friends to subscribe. Um, and you will be updated as soon as everything is back. So I look forward to it. And I will talk to you guys soon. I love you. Please do not hesitate to reach out. You can email me directly at justinsfriendrequest at gmail.com or follow and I am or whatever you want to do on Facebook and Instagram at friendrequestpod and Twitter at friendrequestjl. Thank you guys so much. I love you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.